pray, and let's dive into uh, part four of Seek First. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this moment. I, I'm so encouraged today just being together and, and, and worshiping together as a church. What a beautiful time in your presence that we've had. Lord, I ask that you would continue uh, the, the work that you're doing in each of our hearts. I know you have... You are faithful to complete that good work, as your scripture says. And as we move forward in this morning, would, would our, our time with you and, and the, the response that you now give to us as we have poured out our heart to you, would it, would it fill us with such a joy and a, and a sense of your presence in our life? Because that's what this dance is all about being in relationship with you and walking with you and being in step with you each day as we seek first the kingdom of God, the promises that all these other things will be added, not the way we think, but the way you desire and a plan for us. So I pray for the patience and the perseverance and, and the, the, the godly, heavenly, eternal perspective that comes when we walk by faith and not by sight. I ask for that today, and I thank you for a special blessing on all our Team Challenge friends as well. Encourage them this morning as they tour around the city and receive much from the local church of Calgary. Would you meet their needs and continue to provide for that incredible ministry all over the world? We thank you for these things. Everyone said, amen. I got a few minutes with you here today, and as I mentioned a few times, our series is called Seek First. As, as Jesus said in that famous passage in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, and then these things will be added. The righteousness of God, and the character of God, all these things will then be added to our life. That's the, the offer that's on, on the table today. That's, that's the, the moment where God says, let's walk this out together. I love the thousands of verses that put us into that place of response in terms of God's heart reaching out to humanity. And if you're in this room today and you're looking for meaning in life, I can tell you how to find it by putting God first. And all of a sudden when you're looking for him in the schedule and in the flow and in the accomplishments, the endeavors, or whatever it is that you're doing, that's, that's, all, that's all going pretty well for, for many of us in this room. I'm sure the meaning isn't necessarily in all of the doing and all of the accomplishments. We know that. But when we put God first, he then partners what we have in front of us and he puts meaning to it in the most profound way, the most eternal way. Some of you are maybe looking for friends in this room, looking for belonging or people to, to do life with. I'm telling you, and I say this again, when you put God first, when you put people in your life that can encourage you and challenge you and, and, and make you better, this will bring God's heart out of those relationships into your life to encourage you every single day. Whatever it is that you're seeking after, he says, that's good. I love that you're pursuing the passions in your heart. 
But put me first in these things that you're looking for, that you're seeking after, and I will add all that you need, that I desire for you. That's a very long way of sharing that verse from Matthew chapter 6. We started this journey by talking about seeking first the, the king of all kingdoms, who is God. So we're not just looking for the business of God to be workers for God. We're looking for the king of all kingdoms. God himself in relationship with him. And the most important thing about you is that you were created to have relationship with the almighty God who agrees. That is the singular, most central reality to our lives. You need to hear that. God is saying, seek me because I'm already seeking you. And together there is beauty. He said it in this way as well in John 17 verse 3. I love this verse. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. So you're going to think he's, he's, he's maybe going to say heaven or the afterlife or a forever future with me. This is eternal life, right? Well, not exactly. He says this in, as we continue in that verse. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The word know in this verse that he uses in the Greek, if you go back to the, 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 the original manuscripts that we find way back when, the word know means to have an intimate relationship with. So this is eternal life. Not that you know you're going to heaven when you die. Not something in the by and by, not necessarily future tense. This is eternal life, that you are in relationship with the one true God right now and in relationship with him through the person of Jesus Christ. Very important that we recognize that. Think of it this way, that you and I have the capacity through creation and the possibility through recreation not recreation, I think we missed the hyphen on that, on, that, uh, on that slide there, to have personal relationship with the Almighty God. In other words, you have a spirit within you, church. So you were created with capacity. But there's also a bit of a challenge there, namely that God, that God is holy, which is for some a roadblock. For anyone who wants to just waltz, casually into his presence but yet the opportunity is there through recreation we'll get to that in a little bit you have the capacity through creation and the possibility through recreation to have that personal relationship with the almighty God this has been the way always since the beginning of time we pick up that story I want to read Many of you are familiar with in Exodus. It's a wilderness experience where Moses is trying to lead the people, lead the people of God. And we find there in chapter 33, verse 7, where Moses would meet with God in the same way God wants to meet with him. It's that, as I said, that beautiful dance or posture of relationship with the Almighty. Let's read this together. If you have your Bibles or up on the screen. Verse 7, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, he the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. But then Moses would return to the camp. Notice here the little footnote. But his young aide, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So who is this guy that's going to take people into the promised land? Who's this guy who's not going to be intimidated by the giants when they go out and spy out the land? Who's this guy that's going to be chosen by God to deliver on a promise to give these people a hope and a future? It's going, as we know, if you know Scripture, it's going to be Joshua. And why does Joshua have the spirit in him? I asked myself this as I was studying and, and getting ready for today. It's because Joshua was locked onto the reality of the greatness of God in the fact that he wanted to draw near to him at whatever cost. Let's continue. Look at verse 12 here. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. You, have, you are pleased with me. Teach me your ways, Moses said, so I may know you. There's that phrase. And continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So we're in on the dialogue. If you are paying attention this morning in this passage, we're peeking into that conversation as God and Moses are meeting together. Look at verse 14. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He said to Moses, or Moses said to him, excuse me, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. For how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Don't you just love the heart here in this moment? If you're not going, we're not going. Has anyone said that to the Lord before in, in a context of life? So thank you that you're going because it's sort of, well, obvious for us that if you're not going, then we're not going. He's having this dialogue with God. What if we got this in our hearts today where we say, God, if you're not getting into this relationship that I'm in, then I'm not getting into this relationship. If you're not going down the path with me, then I don't know if I want to go down that path. I'm not looking just for direction. I'm not looking for God just to go. I want you on the journey with me. And if you're not going to be on that journey, we're not going to be on that journey together. If we're not going to take this hill together, then I don't want to go. I can't say with a clear conscience that I've made every decision with that type of posture. There are many times in our life where we tackle 
moments of challenge without that awareness of his presence or inviting God into the moment. I'm sure we all can relate. Verse 17 says, and then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked because because I'm pleased with you. And I know you by name, the scripture says. It's so powerful. He's like, hey, Moses, how are you today? Thank you for coming to the tent of meeting. And, you know, we know each other by name. And you and I are in a good place. And we're pleased with each other. He's going with us. He knows us by name. And, and then Moses, he goes for broke because he's really sensing as he is having this conversation that he's in God's favor. He says, I'm putting all my cards on the table right here. Look at this as we pick it up. Then Moses says, now show me your what? Your glory. Show me your glory. He just, he rolls the dice like the moment is, is upon him. He takes that risk. And the Lord says, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And then he kind of amplifies his name right here. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Well, that's an interesting part because just earlier we saw and read about Moses seeing God face to face, but like a friend, when they talk about face to face, it's not necessarily that he saw him physically face to face. He was speaking of the moment of his presence. He heard and they had dialogue. In that Old Testament time frame, you could not see the face of God, the old covenant, because, well, we all know what would happen. There would be no future. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Amen. Still, God speaks so clearly. Verse 21, let's continue. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back. But my face must not be seen. Now imagine, church, that because when Moses came down this mountain, you remember this story, his face was glowing because of God. All of us, I'm sure, have read this at some point or another. From the back of God, his face was glowing just from God passing by him. Seeing the remnants go by, his face was glowing. It's so powerful if you are a, a visual learner just to think about the picture of what's taking place here. Let's move down to chapter 34, verse 1. The story continues. And the conversation isn't over yet. Let's look. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I love that. And I will write them. I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets. And they, the Bible doesn't say this, but probably he's thinking, which you broke, by the way, the first time. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. What's happening? Well, God is extending that invitation. 
not just to Moses, not for just that time of history, but from that moment on up until today and, and forever until we're in eternity with Christ. That invitation to come up the mountain is for all of us. But it doesn't happen by accident. We know this. No one in this room is in a meaningful relationship, a healthy relationship by accident. We can be confident in that, I'm sure. You may have met by accident in a, in a random series of events. You know the story of how Devin and I met as she was playing soccer on a field in Kamloops. And I said, who is that blonde running down the field? I need to meet her. That's how it took place, everyone. Not everything has to be spiritual. Come on. <laughs> she had long legs, and, uh, and I, was, I was smitten right away. Whoa, back to my, uh, my notes here. It's at times random events that bring us together, but meaningful relationship takes intentionality. You're in a meaningful relationship right now because of what? Well, because of desire. Who agrees? It's there. Maybe it might not be there right now, but at one point it was, and I pray God brings it back full circle for you if you're struggling today. Because someone said at some point that I'm going to make this my intent. I'm going to put the effort in. I'm going to seek this person. I'm going to seek out this relationship because there's something about this individual, about this group of people, about this church community that inspires me, that impacts me, that brings life into my heart. All of us, I have been there at some point. And it's the same, I believe, with our relationship with God. You don't come up that mountain by accident. You don't get to know God by accident. You don't become a friend of God who talks to him face to face like a man talks to a friend by accident. And you, don't see, you don't certainly see the glory of God just randomly. It's something that you must plan, even prioritize. You must take care of, invest into persevere in seeking God first in your life so that you create that space to be aware of his voice, of his promptings. There is a posture from us that he desires to know him and to know his heart. This morning, I, I want to take a few more minutes and talk a little bit about some practical ways I don't want to assume that just because you're in this building today or watching online here that every one of us knows how to come up that mountain. Or if you went up the mountain that you would then know what to do when you get there. It's important to be reminded. I just want to encourage all of us with what the psalmist did say in Scripture. He says, one thing I've asked him, the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Such a powerful verse. I love that we're doing that today, that we've all been doing that since we've gathered this morning. The fact that you're in church seeking God, the fact that you showed up, as I mentioned earlier, you're saying that I want to know more of God and his character and who he is. We're aiming our hearts towards seeking him with our every day. But I don't want us to take for granted that everyone knows what to do once we get up onto the mountain. It's important to discuss it, to unpack it. There's a few practical things today that we can do to begin that and continue and, and, and develop in a greater capacity that relationship with God that will help us know him more in the most profound and the most sincere way possible. I want to start with the idea of information is number one. Information. We have to be informed. I think sometimes we downplay information because we're so often talking about relationship that it's more important to have relationship than it is to have information. But most relationships start with what? Information. In fact, some of you are, again, in the relationship that you're in with someone because you had some information about them. There's others of you in the business context or in business relationship or partnership with somebody right now because maybe you stalked them online for a bit first and uh, you got some in information about their situation or who they are. Anyone? LinkedIn? Yep. If you're in business, you know, you've done that. You read stuff. You search about people and about who they are, anything that you can find online. We've all done it. Maybe you've checked out their social media as well. Before you ever met them, you already knew about them. Isn't that the, the, isn't that the reality of, of, of life and culture and his, the history that we're in right now in 2023? It's very easy to learn about somebody even before you meet them. Information isn't to be discounted. I need to start there because it's uh, the starting point for the best of relationships often. And God is saying to all of us today that I want you to know everything about me that you need to know to come up the mountain and be in relationship with me for the rest of your life. That all that information that you need to know about me is in what? The book, the scripture, the word of God. This is God revealing himself to us. It's not some ancient, archaic, like gathered together writings of religious whatever. That's not what the scriptures are despite people's opinions about the Bible. This is, this is the biography of God right here. Not my iPad, but you hear what I'm saying. The Bible's on here. Hundreds of different versions. In fact, that's what Jesus says in the gospel of John. He gives us such a, a beautiful picture here in, the, in chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. I can just hear, again, that Greek word in my mind. This is, this is where my classic, classical Greek coming out from seminary schooling that I did at uh, Vanguard College, Dr. Herzog, he had us in that Greek 
New Testament studying these things, and there's this word logos, meaning to speak, to speak. And it is capitalized because it's a person that we see unfolding in the rest of the text. It says, in the beginning, the word, the logos, the speaking, in the beginning was with God. And the word, what? Was God. So now there's a pronoun. It goes into he. And now he's getting more definition. He through him, who? The word, the logos, the voice, the, the, the speaking of God. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then we drop down to verse 14 in chapter 1. And this, this word, this logos, this speaking of God that we know is a person now who is the light of the world. It says, the logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So powerful. We're now talking about Jesus, who is the word of God, the logos of God, the speaking of God. It all wraps together so intentionally, all of it. So if you want to know what God is saying, we need to look at Jesus. If we want to know what God is saying, we need to listen to Jesus. Because Jesus is the word of God. Not just saying words of God. He actually is the word of God in the flesh. Verse 14. And now this word of God has taken on flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory. Rem remember when Moses could not see God's glory as we read there in Exodus. But now we have seen God's glory. When in the old covenant, Moses couldn't see the face of God and live, we see in 2 Corinthians here and the, that the glory of God is described as being in the face of Christ. It says, and so we now have seen his glory and the glory and the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That beautiful transition to being able to see and be present with the glory of God. If you want to go up the mountain, we have to start with the word of God. Do you, for us to stay in that word, become informed by us, because it informs us of who God is, and it tells us about his character and his love for all humanity. Information is step one. Every relationship that we have has got to be more than just information, as I mentioned. That moves us to the second thing. From information, I believe God desires to give us revelation. Who, who needs revelation this morning? Don't be shy. Who needs some revelation? Not necessarily the book of revelations, but just revelation. I've had too much revelation in, in the last year. It's heavy. In Ephesians... Paul is praying for the believers, a prayer that God is also praying for you and me today. It's, it's simple. It's just the simplicity of this prayer that I love. And in chapter 1 of, of verse 17 of Ephesians, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may what? May give you the spirit of wisdom. And here's our word and revelation. 
So that we what? Are smarter? Well, I don't think so. So that we have more information? I don't even think that's why. So that we may know him better. It's simple, but it's so important to be reminded of these things. So when we start up that mountain, we, we need the word of God. If we don't know where to start with the word of God, then ask someone to help you. Help someone to help you with that word. Start a simple devotional. I, had, I was going to bring up my book that I'm diving into right now, J.I. Packard, Knowing God. Anyone read, have read that one? I knew Andre would put his hand up. <laughs> Knowing God, J.I. Packard. It is, it is once a year book. Fantastic place to understand who God is. It's one of my favorites. These books, these, these devotional books that we're reading, they need, I pray, that they start with Scripture. If there's not Scripture in your devotionals, I'd ask you maybe to think of another devotional to read. It should be partnered with the Word of God. And in that, we can then ask God for revelation from the information that we receive from the page. In other words, as we start reading, whatever we're reading on the way up the mountain to meet God, we need to say to God, hey, God, will you open my eyes to truly see what you want to speak to me today? Not yesterday or last year, but for today. It might be the same thing because we're not listening, but there's new mercies, new revelation every single morning. That's the promise. I'm asking you, this same prayer, would you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, because I want to know you more today. And he will. It's like for some of us, you're in this meaningful relationship that we've been talking about with someone that you knew in an earlier season of life. And you've heard somebody tell a story. Well, we actually went, you know, to to the, to the same school we, we met many years ago and we grew up together. But then there was that moment, I'm sure some of us can relate to this, where we saw them again years later and said, oh, wow, this is different now. Is there anyone like that in this room? I'm sure there is. Where the person was in our life years ago we couldn't be bothered. In fact, we didn't even know they existed. And then all of a sudden, years later, it comes to the light and you recognize the gift that's in front of you. It's a very similar moment. To me, that's a type of revelation. When the light bulb goes on, when, when everything changes, that when all the information shifts, and that's what God wants to do for you and for me. That's why he says, I promise you that you will experience over the long haul of this life, of going up the mountain many times. And when you come into that place of receiving the word and taking the word in, where you say, oh, my goodness, I don't think that I've ever seen that verse or that passage of Scripture the same. I don't think I've ever seen it like that before, even though I've read it a hundred times. It's new today, and there's revelation for me in this moment. Or maybe we'll say, I have never seen that particular angle before from this passage. Because the word cannot be exhausted, church. The, the, the word of God cannot be exhausted. 
if you ask him with the information to add revelation, you know what he will do? He'll do just that. And I, I think some of us just don't take the time to be intentional with the ask is my point here. So when you open up the scripture, before you start reading it, say, God, I pray for new revelation through your word today for my life, for my marriage, for my children, for my business, for, my, the, for the adventure ahead of me in this week. I pray that your revelation would come alive so that I can walk in step with you. The third one is conversation. Conversation. This one, if you're like me, is a game changer. Who likes conversation? Come on. There I know I know a few of you. We're not going to understand God just with a little nugget of truth to the fullness of who he is. It is something that we have to do with, as I've mentioned many times this morning, with intentionality of going up the mountain to get a glimpse of God. Now, there's nothing, with, no, nothing wrong with that little nugget, that little 30-second reading that you do in the morning. Those things are powerful, and they're important. They're, they're often tweetable, too. Some of you like to tweet your your little devotionals in the morning. Thank you for that. I read them. Thank you. Maybe it's not Twitter, but somewhere, Facebook or s somewhere on Instagram. But that, that's not just what God created you for. To, to look like you read scripture every day. Now, I say that with a smile because it is funny. Sometimes we like to put out information to, to recreate a little bit of a facade of who we are. And I pray that that's never the, mo the, the motive, although many of us at times, we desire things when, when God is so desiring a deeper level of intimacy with him. And he's waiting for us to shift into that place that he created us for. He created you and I with a thirst that is so vast that can only be satisfied by Someone as immeasurable as himself. And he's inviting you and inviting me and all of us into that relationship. So we're not just looking for information and we're honestly not just looking for revelation. We want that conversation with God. Those moments that we have create, I believe, very profound points in our life that we never forget. There is nothing more powerful than sitting with the word, in the word, with that logos, in the logos, knowing that the word, Jesus, the eternal creator of the universe, is with us, is with me while I'm reading his word. And then on top of that, I can talk to the word about the word. Are you with me? It's just, it's deeper levels of intimacy Ironically, we're going up the mountain as we go deeper with Jesus. So many times we come in and we read the word of God and then we close the word and we never even acknowledge that the word was with us when we were in the word. I love that. 
It'll change your relationship with him. It will change that journey up the mountain. Possibly, if you maybe just start by saying it like this, God, I'm here today to come up the mountain with you. But before I get to, to my things and do my deals and get to my journal and write down my issues and get my pen out to continue on that journey of feeling like a victim today, I'm going to get ready with acknowledging you first. Before I start talking, I thought I'd maybe let you talk first, Lord. Do you have anything that you would like to say to me today? Is there any direction that you want me to go today that I haven't, I'm not aware of yet? I went to bed thinking this was the strategy this morning, but you've got something very different. God, what is it? Is there anything that's on your heart for my life, for my family today? God, I'm just going to pause and I'm going to listen to you. Pastor, that's so simple. I know, but how many times do we do it in a week? And he responds where I am the word. And then we respond, wow, that's incredible, God. I'm so blown away. Thank you so much for doing that and speaking into my life. And I receive that and I praise you this morning. I give you thanks today. Or I'm not really getting this right here, Lord. I'm struggling you can, you know, you could cast your cares upon him too. Did you know that? Rhetorical question, obviously. He desires us to do that. Can you help us? Can you help me, Lord, get these areas, these parts of my life right with you so that I can see it through your heart? Could you help me with that? Could you show me the way? Thank you so much, Lord. These are great ideas. I'm ready to start my day conversation church that's why it's why is it so important because it is what God made us for he made us for communion you can spend all day in your quiet time but you can't take the conversation in your quiet time with you all day I love that idea where we we have these little moments in our day that can that, that can then take us into the hours that are in front of us to help us walk in step with the Spirit. Number four, transformation. That's knowing when I come up the mountain, things are going to change. That's when Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 3. He's jumping from the Moses old covenant moment into the Jesus new covenant moment. He's trying to do two things for us. And I love what he's doing here. Let's open up that scripture to 2 Corinthians where Paul says this in verse 12. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. And then he talks about how still this day, if you're reading Moses in the Old Covenant, then there's a veil and you don't see it at all. You don't get it all. But verse 16 finishes with, but whatever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever anyone turns. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
freedom. We always look at this verse, and sometimes we take it out of context. I believe the context of this verse where there is freedom for you and freedom for me, for all humanity, that no matter what we've done, no matter how much we've fallen or come short of his, of his glory, there's freedom for us to go boldly up the mountain, that mountain, that holy mountain of God. There's freedom that comes in that relationship. He's inviting you into that. There's freedom in his spirit, church. And the verse continues, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Some translations say we're, we're transformation into his likeness from glory to glory to glory. All of us. Every trip up the mountain, something changes. It's not just one journey. It's a continual way forward. Every time we're with him, every single one of us. Fifth, I'll finish quickly here, is application. Write that down. This is true of any relationship. If you're in that meaningful place with someone, and you come to agreement on different things, it feels good, right? Later down the road, maybe you decide on some things where you disagree, where you see it very differently. You see things in a different way. What happens to that relationship? Well, it begins to get a little bit strained. Not impossible to redeem, but... We understand the tension when we have major disagreement with our spouse or with someone that we love. If there isn't congruency among, we, we tend to see breakdown in that relationship. I believe at times we can see that in our connection with God as well. Where it's no, no different. If It's not that... God's always asking us to, to keep putting quarters in the machine so we get fed information. That's not how it works. He loves us so much that there is this beautiful way of doing life with God that continues to put him in that place of understanding all that he desires for us. God sought us before we were born, and he loved us even before he knew who we were, even though he knew who we were, before we were on this earth, he loved us unconditionally. He'd given to us all that we need. There's that nature of relationship that is so important that if we don't apply it to what God is showing us as we're on that mountain with him, I don't know if that flow of Revelation will continue in the same way if we start to cut off and ignore what he's saying. There's something about this that is important to remember. When we get to this moment, we have to look at Jesus' words in John 14. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Well, that's a bit of tension, Pastor. I don't know about you, but that, that's very... That's very tense for me to think about 
what that could look like. In other words, we can sing all the songs we want, and we can tell him how much we love him all day long, but if we don't become congruent with what he's showing us about ourselves up on that mountain in that intimate place, I don't really know if we will continue to see things in that place of revelation moving forward. We have to posture our hearts with surrender, with a place of humility receiving from God. Tim, that sounds so strong. It does. Even though we serve a loving God and he is constantly pursuing us and constantly in place for us to receive from him, this is actually how relationships work. It's how life works. It's how friendship works. So he just doesn't love us because we obey him. But our relationship up on that mountain, it's so important that, that it involves our willingness and our desire to obey him. It's a heart posture. It's a place of being grateful for the things that don't make sense, allowing him to move us forward. John 14, 21 says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. I feel like maybe I've stalled out in my journey of knowing God. That could be a thought this morning. Is there some place that you need to obey God that you're not obeying him right now? I ask that question. We've come up that mountain again and again. We adjust to God. We adjust to his word, to his counsel, to the people in our life that are sharing their heart with us, not being afraid of accountability and encouragement. We do that, and then God moves in a way where he, re he recognizes that our heart is open to him speaking to us. And last today, Leon, you can come up, or whoever, one of you. There's that moment. And I end with the word duration. Duration. Church, can I tell you today that that journey on the mountain isn't always easy. It's not always full of highs and powerful moments. It's not always simple. Sometimes the mountaintop experience is a trek. Sometimes it's a couple of weeks or months or maybe even years where we don't feel it. There's dry seasons. But it doesn't mean that you're irrelevant or defective or at times we feel unqualified. It doesn't mean any of those things. All relationships have seasons. All relationships must be contended for. Every relationship that's meaningful in your life takes work. And that's where we take the time to consciously say, God, even though I don't feel like it, I'm all in. I'm all in because I know what it takes. 
I'm not sure right now, but thank you, Lord. I'm leaning on you during this season. I'm going to keep coming up that mountain till death do us part. And I promise you that God is in it for the long haul with each of us as well. If we make space for God to fill it, he will fill us with what is good, with what is pure, with what is life-giving, with what can bring us the grace and the courage and the strength to move to the next day. We will discover that Jesus is right there beside us, inviting us into tomorrow morning, into the next day and the next day. The presence of God is freely given. And as we conclude this morning, I pray that you will hear God's heart for each of us. I thank you that you've given me these extra few minutes to finish this morning. But I want to pray for you as we close and allow the Lord to seal his heart in each of us. Could we stand this morning? Jesus, as we transition with our day today, I pray for your grace to be so evident in our heart, in our thoughts this morning. Your grace that is and will always be at the center of your character. A patient God, a God who loves us unconditionally, a God who chooses each day to constantly pursue humanity no matter what, no matter how far we run the other way. You carry in your character unconditional love that we can't even comprehend in our earthly minds. So I ask, Lord, over this room this morning for a, just a covering of your peace over each one as we begin to receive from that this morning and in our lives in this new year. I pray, Lord, that the fruit of that revelation will then turn us to a place of gratitude, of appreciation, of, of, of that sense of you in our lives, no matter what, are willing and ready to open up your arms to us. God, I thank you that we can go, we can go this morning confident in knowing that you are walking in step with us. I pray for anyone in this room that is far from you, that is desiring life with Christ through your, through your son, Jesus. Lord, would, would you just come even now and begin to speak truth over them in a way that will transform from the inside out. I thank you, Jesus, that when we seek you first, you give us hope for the future. Let that relationship with you come alive this year like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. The guys are going to sing here. You're welcome to stay, sit, reflect. If you need to get going, I understand. Have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. Thank you. <laughs>